Welcome to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. You can find us in Germantown Hills, Illinois, right off of Route 116, or on the web at greatoakscc.org. We come together to worship and learn every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. Come, take your next step towards God together with us. In two weeks, we began a new series on a book of the Old Testament, kind of kind of a funny name, Habakkuk. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, when God seems unfair, and so we'll be looking at that. That's a couple of weeks from now. This morning, we continue a series we began last week uh, that really uh, is the purpose of the series called Food for the Soul. Uh, the purpose of the whole series is that we would get into this, into God's Word. Uh, we would get, become so much a part of us that it, we would live it out. And last week after the service, I had somebody say to me, oh, I have no idea what that means. And for a communicator, that's not really good. So uh, I was a little discouraged. Uh, but then I left several other people came to me and said some things. That, well, you know, I understand that, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Because uh, we sometimes don't understand exactly how we get something into our life. And I think most of us understand that and actually practice that more than we think. For instance... Um, Music. Is there songs, you know, if you listen to a radio station or something, and all of a sudden the song comes on, you know all the words to it? Uh, back in uh, back last, uh, I think it was September, October, um, my wife and I went with some friends to Texas for a little while and down in San Antonio for vacation. And when we were down there, there was this really cool radio station. The reason it was cool, it's K-O-N-O. Kono, I don't know what that stands for. But uh, that every song on that station I knew. It was all music from the 70s. And so I was going, man, what a great station. I mean, every song that came on, I could sing every word to every song because I used to listen to that stuff when I was, uh, you know, in uh, high school and college. And so I I remember that. So, you know, you remember those things. They get into your life. Um, Another thing that happens in our lives, another way this, this works about getting something into our life is movies. I mean, how many of you know certain things that were said in movies that you may have seen a long time ago? I mean, I will never forget certain movies uh, because of what was said. Now, I had to write them down so I could remember all the stuff, but I didn't have to think very long about it. For instance, uh, Dead Poets Society. Anybody see that movie, you know, Dead Poets Society a few years ago? And Robin Williams says this one phrase in there that's kind of the standout phrase. He says, Carpe diem, boys, seize the day. Make your lives extraordinary. You know, and you get all fired up and you leave the movie. And, you know, I don't know if I did anything with that. But anyway, that was, you know, I remember that. Or, you know, maybe some of you are more science fiction fans and you remember uh, uh, Return of the Jedi. And you remember the part where Yoda says to Luke Skywalker, he says, there is no try. There is only do. Some of you are saying it. As I said it, that was kind of funny. You know, you actually know those lines from silly movies. Or, or, or maybe, you know, maybe you like the really dramatic movies like Braveheart. Remember Braveheart? Probably the f- most famous line in Braveheart is, is um, where Mel Gibson says, <laughs> Braveheart, Mel, oh, anyway, uh, he says, they can take our lives, but they can't take away our freedom. You know, and that was a big line there. Or maybe for some of you a little on the lighter side, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, you know, you remember Dumb and Dumber, uh, the, the movie? Uh, remember where Lloyd encounters this girl he just just he just fallen in love with and lloyd and lloyd looks at her and he, you know he's, he's trying to tell her you know that he says uh he says uh what kind of chances do i have with you and and he says like one in ten 
And she kind of stands at one in a hundred. And then she goes like, hmm, maybe like more like one in a million. And then Lloyd looks at her and says, so you're saying there is a chance? <laughs> I mean, the eternal optimist, <laughs> Lloyd and Dumb and Dumber. Or probably one of my favorite movies of all time that shows how deep I am. Um, was a movie that we saw 15 times in college. It, it, was, uh, it was called Search for the Holy Grail. Remember that? <laughs> you know, well, I'm not going to tell you all the scenes in it because, you know, there was only one really bad thing in it, but it, it was just dumb, you know. I, I never forget the scene where, where this, there's this guy that's going to cross, there's this guard to try to keep him from crossing this little bridge. And they have this battle, and the guy's arms are cut off, and his legs are cut off, and he's standing there, and he's, and he's laid on the ground, and he says, and the guy's, and he's still giving him a hard time, and he says, it's, it's only a flesh wound, you know, and I'm going, that's the dumbest movie of all time, but I still remember that, you know, it's become a part of my life. So, you know, I'm saying, whatever it may be, you have experience in this, about something become a part of your life, whether it be music or whether it become movies or whatever. We have this because of the repetition or something that reminds us of that on a regular basis. Now, we want to not just do movies and music, but we want to get God's Word in our life. And as we talked about last week, in the story last week we talked about in Matthew, where Jesus was in the wilderness and he was going through this process of being tempted by Satan, how Jesus responded is exactly how we need to be in our lives. He not only knew Scripture and quoted Scripture, but he did what Scripture said. It had become such a part of his life that um, when, when he came to this was one temptation, Jesus says this, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's just not a quote that Jesus, or something Jesus made up. Jesus was remembering a story in the Old Testament. And actually it was a quote from Deuteronomy, but it was referring to a story back in Exodus 16. And in Exodus 16, there's this story there. And most of us know this story because even if we don't know the Bible, we know the story. Because the story is about God where he sets his people free from captivity in Egypt. And we know it because of the Charlton Heston, Prince of Egypt, um, Moses parting the Red Sea thing. We know that story because we, we kind of seen that somewhere along the way in pop culture. And God's people are now free in the story in Exodus 16. And they're out in the wilderness and they've been, they've been in captivity. The thing is interesting, they've been in captivity for, you know, 40 years and they've been through this whole process of being enslaved and they've had no freedom whatsoever. And now they're free and they're wandering through the desert and they start grumbling. And they, the reason they're grumbling is because there's not any Wendy's or Taco Bells or, you know, or, or, or McDonald's around. So they're hungry. You know, doesn't our food always, uh, food always get us in trouble so often? You know, you know, I'm just thinking about food already. I don't know what I'm having for lunch today. And it's, you know, I'm already, <sighs> but, uh, the thing is, is that they're set out, in the, out, out of slavery, free, but here's what they grumble about. And this is what they say in chapter 16 of Exodus verses two and three. It says, if only we had died in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted. At that moment in time, food was more important than freedom to them. And it was interesting because I don't know what kind of food is more important than freedom. It must have been like Carolina barbecue or something. I don't know. Brunswick stew. Nobody knows what, anybody know what Brunswick stew is here? 
You're not from the South, so you don't have a clue. That's one of the best foods ever made by man. Find, if you ever go anywhere, the Brunswick stew, eat Brunswick stew. It's one of these things that's cooked in a big pot with chicken and, and vegetables. And it's, it's just, oh, whew, man. All I can do is think about it and just start drooling, you know. Because the thing is, so it must have been something that good they were remembering back to that, that they wanted to give up freedom for. But obviously it wasn't probably something that big because it doesn't take that much. But how does God respond to their grumbling? You know, if that would have been God, I said, too bad, guys. You know, you're free. But that's not what God says. God says, okay. He says this in verse 4. He says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And then the next morning, something bizarre happens in this story. And what happens, it says this, when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost appeared on the ground and on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Now, we call this stuff what? Manna. That's what it says in Scripture. It's called manna. And there's all sorts of scholarly uh, people who have, you know, some people have to answer every question, even if it's unanswerable. But there's all kind of scholarly debate about what the manna was. I mean, I've read all kind of bizarre things. Some people thought it was kind of a lichen. It's L-I-C-H-E-N. Is that lichen or lichen or I don't know, what, whatever that is. It's kind of a moss type thing that grows on rocks. Some people said that's what it was, some scholars. Other people say, well, it was uh, uh, it was the... Uh, something that fell from a particular plant that grew in the area. Others say, and this was the most bizarre one, it was from the larva of beetles. It sounds like survival, you know, something like that or what, whatever, you know, you eat kind of bizarre things. Well, I've done some extensive research on this, and I've come up, according to Scripture, what it is. Because it says in Scripture, if you look at the verse, it says, When the dew is gone, thin flakes like frost. It's flakes like frost. So what is it you put that together? Frosted flakes. That's what manna was. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Well, that's as good of an explanation as you're going to get because nobody knows what it is. Because, matter of fact, you know what the word manna means? Manna literally means, what is it? That's what the word means. What is it? I mean, they didn't know what it was and they were eating stuff. And so they called it, what is it? How, wasn't that brilliant? I mean, that's what they made up a word. Man, it means what is it in Hebrew. And, and, and so that's what God fed them in the desert. Now, God gave them some instructions on this manna, though. It was important in the story because the manna was trying to teach them something. The way God used the manna was trying to teach them something. Because it says that God not only gave them the manna, but he gave them instructions on eating the manna. He says this. He says, take an omer for each person. Now, what's an omer? It's a measurement that means basically a quart. Okay, he says, take an omer for each person each day, and no one is to keep any of it until the morning. Okay, he's saying, each day, one day at a time, gather a quart for each person. That was their FDA daily requirement of manna, was, uh, was an omer, okay? But as we know how we are as people, so often we don't always listen to what God says. Or even instructions of godly people. So Moses had told them that. It says this in scripture. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. He must have felt like a parent. You know what I mean if you're a parent of a teenager. Um, And they kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. Okay. 
Instructions. Each day, get you some manna, just enough for the day. Eat it. Don't keep any extra because guess what will happen? It'll get nasty. So there's two kinds of manna in this story. There's the fresh manna that's gathered each day. And then there's the 24-hour old manna that's spoiled, either manna with maggots or manna without. You know, that's the kind of manna we have here. And we go like, what? why did God do that? Well, was there a reason for that? And guess what? In Scripture, it tells us what the reason. And that's the verse that Jesus was referring to over in Deuteronomy chapter 8. For it says this. Remember how the Lord your God led you in the desert, feeding you with manna to teach you. This is the purpose, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone. Remember the quote from Jesus in Matthew. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, the purpose of this whole thing, the purpose of the manna was to teach his people, not only feed them, but teach them a lesson. Daily dependence upon God. Daily connection with God. Follow God's instruction, listen to God, be with God on a daily basis. And I really believe this story has incredible, just very simple, but incredible truths for us today as we talk about what God wants us to do in regard to eating this book, as we talked about last week. He's trying to do the same thing with us. He's trying to lead us to say this, I've got to have God's word on a daily basis, just like I need to have food on a daily basis. Because without it, something happens in my life. Because if we don't do it on a daily basis, it becomes spoiled and ruined and may not have you know, a really real connection in our lives. So there's two things that stand out to me in this man of story that uh, have a lot to do with you and me and how we consume or eat this book. The first thing is this. The obvious thing is this. One thing is, is that manna was something that they gathered daily. It was fresh. It was something that, that uh, as a matter of fact, to tell the story clearly, they gathered manna for six days, and on the sixth day they gathered enough for two days because God said on the seventh day you are to have a holy day of rest. And so I don't want you gathering stuff, not even going out and gathering manna. So he, he said on the sixth day you can gather enough for two days, and guess what's going to happen? Miracle of miracles, that two days' worth will not spoil until the end of the two days. So God was teaching them dependence upon his word, dependence upon what he had to say, dependence upon him. But he's also teaching them a lesson about we need some time of rest, too, to focus upon God and reconnecting with God and, and with what he wants in our lives. So manna was something that needed to be consumed daily. And I realized that Bible reading daily might seem something for religious wackos. But it's really not. Because... We're not talking about reading the whole Bible every day. We're talking about just reading a small portion of God's Word and letting it to be fresh in our lives because we know that fresh is best. Let me illustrate. Any of you recently in the last uh, week or so bought a tomato? Anybody here? Nobody buys tomatoes anymore. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, uh, well, we did yesterday because we're having them for lunch today. And, you know, and, and they look pretty good on the outside. But last night, my, last night my wife was preparing. She prepares everything ahead. And she was preparing for lunch today. We're going to have uh, steak fajitas, you know. Looking forward to that. And, you know, part of the deal is having chopped up tomatoes and stuff to throw in there. So we got this tomato. Well, it looked good on the outside. When I was chopping, I noticed, though, it's kind of like once you get inside, it's kind of not very, not very good. It's was, it was all right. But it wasn't really great. Now, I compare that with summertime. Any of you have a garden and you grow tomatoes? Yeah? 
You know what they taste like in the summer? Man, is there any comparison to a fresh tomato out of the garden in the summer to a tomato you buy in the store right now? No comparison. Fresh is best. In the summer, too, I go over here to Cliff's Market and we buy fresh blueberries. They come from somewhere up like either Wisconsin or Michigan somewhere. And they bring them down that day and they call us and tell us they're here. They actually have us on a list. And so they're fresh, man. They're fresh like they've been picked the day before. Man, you're talking about, oh, best blueberries you'll ever have in your whole life. Now, we buy a bunch because we like blueberries, and we'll buy them, and we'll freeze them and put them in the freezer. I mean, you know, just put them in the freezer, take them out, rinse them off a little bit, and eat them. And they're still pretty good, but they're nowhere near as good as they are in the summer when they're fresh. You see, we understand the whole idea of fresh being better, you know, day to day, that those things in regard to food. But the thing is, is that God wants us to realize that his word is better fresh as well. The reason for that is because it's fresh every day. God is connecting it to the, the circumstances of our lives. For instance, you know, about a week or so ago, uh, you know, I came back from, from uh, visiting family in Virginia. I flew back in on a Thursday. I got a call the day before about a couple of families in the church that were going through uh, grief because of loss. I knew I was going to have to do a couple of funerals. And one of the things that, that, I, that you know, God just kind of, Reminded me, I was started getting, you know, I was reading his word, but certain things started just being alive in his word because, you know, on Saturday when I was going to do a funeral that afternoon, that morning, about three to four a.m. in the morning, as I was laying in bed, God's word came to me. It's something that I read before, and it wasn't like anything I was going to use at the funeral, but it just gave me some focus because one of the things I was trying to do is how can I minister to these families during this time of grief? And one of the verses that came to me that came to me clearly was a verse that says, uh, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free." But then another verse that came right piggyback uh, right on that was a verse that says, speak the truth in love. And I'm going, why do those verses pop into my mind? And I begin to think, you know, God, you want me to speak the truth because the truth does set us free. And in a time of grief, we need to know the truth. But I need to do it in a way that will be compassionate and loving. And it became so real to me at that point in time in my life, it was fresh. Because it said something to me that day. And I got up that morning early and began to read God's word. And it, it just became alive to me. Everything I would read, it's just like, God, you just give this to me. And, and the thing in life, when we read God's word on a daily basis, what happens? God will connect it to our life. And it's fresh. And it's powerful. You know, we could have memorized it years ago, but when you reread it in the context of your life every day, it, mean, it makes a huge difference. The other thing that this manna story uh, tells us, besides that, it's get, that manna was gathered daily, is that manna was something they did. Gathering manna was something they did together. You know, when the people went out, and that's going like this. How's that dealing with this? When the people went out, they went together. One of the things that keeps God's word fresh in our life. Not only do we st- study it and read it ourselves, but we share it with others. One of the things that I've done for years and years and years that helps it stay fresh in my life is that I have an accountability partner. Not only do I, do I connect with a small group, but I have an accountability partner, somebody that I meet with. And one of the things that we talk about every week is this. What is God saying to you in his word? And so God is opening, you know, it's, it, I, they, you know Carl shares with me what God is saying. It's totally something different than, than I'm experiencing, but I connect with that. 
And it becomes fresh for me, what God is sharing. And it can happen with husbands and wives, with friends, with, with parents, with, with kids, with you know, just friends. And the whole thing is God wants us to understand this whole thing that not only do we keep it fresh by doing it daily, but we keep it fresh by doing it together. Those are two things that I see in this story. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to practice this for about uh, three minutes here. What I want to do is just help you because so often people will say, I just don't know how to do this. So I just want us to practice something this morning. It's not going to be anything's going to be hard. But what I want to do is we did something like this last week, but I want to go one step further this week. I want you to practice doing, doing something. What I want to do is I'm going to read a passage of scripture and you can follow along. It'll be on the screen. And it's actually selected verses from Deuteronomy. That verse that we just read this is the context of that verse. This is the few verses before it, few verses after it. And what I want to do is, as I read this, and you can follow along with me, if it helps you to read it out loud with me, great. You don't have to. But just listen to it. And at the end of that, what I want you to do is, if you have a, uh, you have a bullet and you have a piece of paper there that has some sermon notes on, I want you to write down one thing that stood out to you in these verses. Just one thing that stood out to you in these verses. Now, can you do that? I know you can this will not burst a brain lobe or anything like that. This is really not that hard. So just one thing, I want you to practice this whole thing of keeping God's word fresh and how we do it. Then I'll explain why we're going to do it this way in a moment. So I'm going to read through it. You can follow along with me. Pick out one thing out of about eight verses here that I'm going to read that will help you to focus upon what God is saying to you in these verses. Okay? Let's begin. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. So that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert for these 40 years. To humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Which neither you nor your fathers had known. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and the hills, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. Now, out of those verses... What's one thing that stood out to you? It's personal. So there's no right or wrong answers. What is one thing in those verses that stood out to you? Just, just briefly jot down a note to, uh, to just to confirm what God has said to you in those verses. Okay, I'm not giving you a lot of time with this this morning. I just want you to, you know, you know what you just did? It's called journaling. <laughs> you thought that was difficult. 
Really, it's just jotting down your thoughts of what God is doing in your life. I would encourage you to begin a practice of doing that, reading God's Word, and then, um, and then jotting down just a thought out of what, what God is teaching you. Now, some of you, that was difficult because you're going like, I don't even know how to approach this. I'm going to talk about in a moment how to do that. One thing I would encourage you to do this week is remember not only that people do it, get into the manna and God's Word daily, but they did it together. I would encourage you to get back with somebody who's, you know, somebody here or somebody else and, sh- and share with them what God has been teaching you this week in that verse or in those verses. Maybe one verse stood out, maybe, maybe several, but it's important that we, we learn from each other because God may speak to somebody else in a different way through these verses than he does you. But it gives you, it keeps things fresh for you. Now, one of the things that we need to do when we read the Bible is we need to ask ourselves some questions. And I want to give you just some four very basic questions that when you read the Bible that you need to look for. Number one is lessons to be learned. What are some lessons that in the scripture that we can learn? Number two is examples to be followed. What were, what was people doing in that scripture that we can follow that example? Number three is promises to be enjoyed. There are thousands of promises in God's word. And in God's word, he wants us to not only just know these promises, but to enjoy these promises. And then finally, as you look, especially the New Testament, Jesus to be revealed. Because the Bible is to reveal who Christ is. And so how does Jesus reveal in Scripture? So if we take those four questions, if you don't have time to write them all down today, um, you, can, you can just find it in numerous places. But those are just four basic questions that we can, uh, we can use along the way. Now, what, let me give you a couple. I shared this last week. I didn't put them up. Let me give you a couple of resources that I use. One of the resources, I use two online resources now that help me on a daily basis. I use these every day. One is called BibleGateway.com, and BibleGateway.com is a simple, online, free Bible place where you can actually read Scripture in multiple translations. And if you need a Bible reading plan, if you click on the main page, there's all kinds of Bible reading plans. And you can design it according to what you want to do, whether you want to read the Bible in a year or read about, you know, just the Old Testament, New Testament, whatever it is, it'll set up a Bible reading plan for you so you can follow it. Another site that I started using just, just recently, a journaling website, is called uversion.com. And it's actually from a church called Life Church that set this up. It's a free site once again. And you can go in there, and once again, it has Bible translations you can do, but it has some other things too. You can log on, set up an account in there. It's free. And in doing so, what you can do is actually a place for you to journal. And nobody else sees your journal. You log on, you log off. It's, it's a personal thing. But it's an online free journal that you can use. So many times, uh, most days I'll, I'll log on to that and I'll read the scripture. And then I'll just write down a few things that God has taught me. Just exactly what we did just now. And then what I'll do is it's when I meet with uh, my accountability partner. When I'm talking about scripture, I can remember. Because I can't remember. You can remember everything you read last week. I have a trouble remembering that stuff I read you know, yesterday. But I can remember because it's written down and God's truth is there. So it keeps it fresh. Just a couple of tools that are free out there. Also, I, I shared with you last week about we have some, those who like paper journals. We've, uh, we had some. Uh, we sold those out last week. We've ordered some more. They have not come in yet. We'll have those hopefully by next week. If you'd like a copy of a life journal. These questions, these four questions I gave you a while ago come out of the life journal. They're in there as well. Now, the thing is this this morning, friends, is this. We need God's word in our lives. That's the whole purpose of what we're talking about. Like our bodies need food, we need fresh infusions of God's word so that we can have the relationship with God that God wants us to have. And and, and I want to explain to you that, hey, this is not always easy. 
for any of us. You know what my biggest barrier to reading God's word daily is? My job. You're going, but you're a pastor. Yeah, it's my job. I'm, I'm talking about personal reading of God's word because every day I'm reading God's word. But most of the time, guess what it's for? It's not personal. It's, it's, it's for the whole purpose of sharing sermons, teaching classes. I'm reading God's word that way. It's not the same as keeping it fresh for me personally. I mean, I get stuff out of it. Yes. But I need to read God's word. So one, one of the things all, for many of us, we need to understand that reading God's word needs to stay fresh because fresh is worth pushing through all the stuff that hinders us because we know fresh is better. We need to keep it fresh. Now, the main thing that God is trying to help us get into as we read this book, I think is best illustrated by a story. True story. Back when I was in elementary school, um, I was deeply in love in the first and second grade with this girl. Her name was Sharon. I will not say her last name. Because she could possibly listen to this web podcast, which is on the internet. So uh, she doesn't know how I felt about her. And uh, uh, I was deeply in love with this girl. You know, I really was in the first and second grade named Sharon. The problem was, there was actually two problems. The problem number was, one was is that Sharon always had another boyfriend. And number two, Sharon only saw me as a friend. I mean, she told me that several times. You were the best friend. Women, I want to let you understand something. That's the worst thing you can say to a guy. Absolutely, if the person really likes you a whole lot. You know, it's like, break my heart, you know. And so the problem was Sharon was just not into me. Isn't that sad? I thought it was. Now, here's why I tell you that story. The Bible, the overarching big story of the Bible is that God, who is in love with, with us, is in love with his people. But most of the time, his people aren't into him. We ignore him so often. Other times we forget about him. Many times we just flat cheat on him. But the good news is this. God doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. That's the story of scripture. He keeps coming to us time and time again saying, I love you and I want you to know that that and, and other people to know that through you. And I hope that we ta- that when we get a taste of this book and we eat this book, that God will be- become in us so much and it will be so fresh that we will experience God's love on a daily basis because this book is not a Christian textbook. This book is not a guidebook for Christians on things to do. This book is not a collection of wise sayings. This book is more like a love letter. It's like God saying to us, I love you so much. I want you to understand clearly how deeply my love is on a regular basis that I will pursue you no matter what. And and the story and the focus of the story is upon Jesus Christ. I mean, I like you guys a lot. But I'm not really sure I'd give up one of my children for you guys. I'm just being honest. Because they mean so much to me. But God chose to do that. I mean, what greater love is this? 
So it's the real deal. And God wants us to know that he must have us. And every one of you, he wants us to know that. Now think about this. The God of the universe says in this book, he says this. He says, I love you. I'm into you. I want you to know my love. And when you do, others around you will know that love as well. And I want it so much that I give my life, my son's life for you. Now, maybe your relationship with God doesn't feel that way. Maybe your relationship with God is kind of like God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for food. Now lay me down to sleep type of relationship with God. It's kind of like a distant thing, just kind of connection here and there. Or maybe it's like stale bread. You know, it's there, but it's not really good. But what if, what if you could keep it fresh? What if you could hear from God personally, daily, and in a fresh way? And people around you would recognize that and they would see God in that as well. That's what God wants. That's what it will take. And one of the main keys of doing that is to be in God's word daily and sharing it with others. Keeping it fresh, because fresh is better. May you and I receive his word fresh, daily, and together. Let's keep it fresh. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.